Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. Today, we are speaking out of the uh, book of Luke. Now, we're in Luke chapter 4 today. I'm going to read uh, just a, a section of scripture within the book of Luke. And again, like I said, we're walking through Luke and Acts. And uh, today we get to see what Luke is talking about when he's um, recording this moment where Jesus stands up in the synagogue. And I'm going to read quite a few verses, and then I'm going to get into this talk today. Are we good? Are you with me? All right, here's my three intentions. My intention number one is that we would see uh, what Jesus is saying and break down what he says, the response of the people, and then how this applies to you and I in our world today. Are you with me? Oh, man, it's going to be good. Okay, verse 14, 414 says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, Jesus just came out of the wilderness after the temptations of the devil. He's going to Galilee, which is the most... uh, ethnically and culturally divided portion of Israel at the time. This is where Jesus goes. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in the synagogues beyond being glorified by all. Verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as, in, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Verse 18 says this. This is what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physicians heal yourselves. What have we heard you what we have heard you did at Capernaum did do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon. to a woman who was a widow. Verse 27, and there were were many lepers in Israel in this time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill in which their own and their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff, but passing through their midst, he went away. Whew, that's good. Now, there's a lot there. And for those who followed, I'm grateful for our Sky Bibles. You can see them on the screens. And maybe you brought your real Bible, or maybe you're on your Glow Bible, which is i.e. your phone. You can kind of follow along there. This is a lot of verses, a lot to break down. And like I said, my intention is to look at what Jesus was saying, break down what he was saying, break down what the response of the people were, and then what this looks like for you and me today in 2023. Let me pray. God, thank you for... 
these verses, this story, this word that Jesus, you, you stood up and you spoke and then you broke it down. And God, now we are to look inwardly and reflect on what this means for us as individuals and us as a church. So Lord, we pray that God, your word would go forth. And may your presence be known and obvious and evident in these times in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen. Now I was thinking about um, the, the evolution of communication. Now I'm uh, closer to 40 than 30, and I, I'm still young. I do feel young. I'm 37 years old. I feel amazing at 37. I really do. But I remember as a young lad in communication, uh, there are certain ways to communicate to people. Um, one, you just obviously just talk to people face to face. And uh, this is really hard for those who are maybe in their 20s. It's like you don't know how to talk to people face to face. It's really weird for you. So you just do like only text message or Snapchat back and forth. It's weird. It's a whole new generation. I'm with it. I'm for y'all. But back in my day when I was a kid, I don't know if you guys remember pen pals. Anybody do a pen pal? Like you would write to people that you never knew. Thank you for the hand in the back, Greg. I appreciate that. In class, like we would, I don't even know where pen pal ship came. Who invented this in schools? It'd be like, hey, you want to write to somebody across the nation? You can do it. And you can just write whatever you want to write to them. And you just get assigned a pen pal. You'd write to people. And you would then handwrite this with your hand. You would fold it up. You'd put it in what these, these things are. They're, they're like letters or envelopes. And you'd put a, a, what's called a stamp. Anybody know what a stamp is? Okay, you would buy this essentially as a way to buy you know, your way to get the letters sent out. You guys are with me? Okay, that's a one form of communication I was so used to. And then eventually you get a little older and then this thing called the internet happens. We had this thing called dial-up internet where you'd have to plug into the wall and wait for it to like call the internet. And sometimes the internet wouldn't be called. They wouldn't answer. So you have to try it again. You'd have like screen names. This is a, this is a form of communication. You jump in like chat rooms. This is a thing as a kid. Some of y'all are like, I don't, okay, I don't get it. That's fine. This is, this, is, this is my world. I have the microphone. This is what happened to me, okay? And then eventually uh, uh, you could email people. This was amazing. You could fax people, like you would send a piece of paper through this machine, and then it would go into someone else's machine, and they would get it, and they would read it, and that's how you fax people. You would, you would communicate that way, email folks, and then eventually you start calling folks and text messages and voice messages and all these different things. We see the evolution of communication. You following? You with me? I'm really grateful for the uh, invention of the emoji. Any big emoji fans? Uh, Anybody use emojis on a regular basis? Like when you send a text, you put an emoji in there. Emojis are basically these emoticons, these these images that, that create emotion within the text that you're sending. Now, why these are important, why I'm grateful for this invention is sometimes when you get a text, you're kind of like, I don't like their tone. It feels very passive aggressive to me. If you put a smiley face at the end of that comment, I may think, oh, they're great. Everything's awesome. It clears up everything, right? So even for you, like when you send out a text, like for, for, again, this is just me. Okay. I'll just look inwardly. I have to think to myself, what's a really good emoji that would clear the air of this whole entire thing to make this crystal clear of what I'm trying to communicate. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of run through. Here's a few emojis that are some of my favorites. Uh, that we kind of found, okay, this is like, this is uh, uh, like, oh, oh boy, this is, uh, it's eek, like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Anybody with me on this one? Okay, this is Gabe's favorite emoji, apparently. Uh, let's go to the next one. It's just, you're laughing, okay, it's LOL, you know what I mean? We're having a good time. You said something funny, they said something funny, instead of saying LOL or I'm laughing, you just 
put the emoji up. It, it clears everything. It's, it's crystal clear. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, this is like embarrassed, like, oh boy, saw something, did something, you did something. Okay, no, okay, moving on. I like this one. This is just like, yeah, I don't know. Amy, my wife will send me something. I'm like, yeah, but maybe not, you know. Not sure if we need to go ahead and buy those things. You know, so I just kind of like put the uh, I'm thinking emoji. Uh, I don't know. Let's do one. This is one of my favorite ones. This is a palm face emoji. This is like, oh, my gosh, this just happened. My kids just did something or I did something stupid or maybe you did something stupid. So you send this, this, uh, this emoji. All right, last one. This is my favorite one I send to my wife. Oh, yeah, hard eyes. Oh, come on, right? Like, hey, babe. How are you? Hard eyes emoji for all those married folks in the room. Okay, let's, let's be done. You're like, great. You read 30,000 scriptures verses, and then now you're talking about emojis. When I look at this story in Luke chapter 4, I can't help but see Jesus making it crystal clear what he has come to do. It, there, there is nothing missing from this text. In, in just about 16-ish verses, we see Jesus being like, reading from the prophet Isaiah, proclaiming these certain things. And then we see in verse 21, he says this. He says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, i.e., this is me. I am the person that I just read about. And for those on listeners that have been like, whoa. And what happened? They, they actually were fixated on what he was saying. They're in awe of what he was saying because he is being crystal clear. There is no miscommunication on this one. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that the prophet Isaiah over 700 years ago prophesied about. So again, we're breaking down what Jesus said in these verses, the response of the people, and then how this applies to you and I today. Jesus says this prophecy that's over 700 years old, and he uses this word proclaim three times. This proclaim in the Greek would be the word karoso, essentially is, is a proclamation to herald. It, it's like uh, those, those guys on the street corners back in the 20s that would have the newspapers up, extra, extra, read all about it. It's like, hey, this is big news. What is being said is a big deal. And this is what Jesus is saying here to the onlookers and the onlisteners in Galilee. He's saying, hey, this, what I'm about to say or what I am saying is a big Deal. I'm fulfilling this scripture. And the people, it says, were filled with suspense on the edge of their seats, fixated on every single word that Jesus had to say. It's like if you know somebody who, who tells like a really good story. If you know anybody who tells good stories, they, they, they're telling the story. And you yourself, you're kind of on the edge of your seat wondering what the punchline is. You're waiting for that big moment. Or maybe you've actually heard this story before, but they're telling the story in another venue and you already know the ending, but your friends don't. You're like, oh man, I can't wait for them to hit the punchline. They're all going to be like, whoa, it's going to be amazing. This is one of those moments. Or it's even worse, people who are terrible at telling stories and you're sitting there across the table. You're like, would you just get to the point? No idea what you're saying. You're like, Hold on a minute. You know what? Maybe it wasn't yesterday. It was five days ago. That's what it was. And you're just like, I don't want to be here anymore. But this is what Jesus is doing. He's sharing the story to the point where the people are leaning in, fixated on what Jesus has to say. The people, it says in verse 22, they marveled at what he said. And I think to myself, when I read these several verses, Jesus had them on the edge of their seat, had them fixated on the words that he was saying. He read from the prophet Isaiah. He said, I have come to fulfill the scripture. The people were fixated. The people marveled. Mic drop. Done. Jesus, leave. You did it. You completed your task. 
You could just leave at that moment and just be like, you know what? I actually, I got all the attention of the people. I'm good. And then Jesus continues. Why? Because the people still had a little bit of skepticism and a little bit of doubt. They even said things like, isn't this Joseph's son? A son of a a stonemason, a carpenter. John chapter 1, in his account, in the Gospel of John, it says, nothing even good comes from Nazareth. Who is this man, Jesus, proclaiming and declaring these certain things? Who is he but a carpenter's son, a stonemason? So Jesus continues. And remember the prophecy. Let's read it again on the screen. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the who? The poor, the outcasts, those who are marginalized in society. The poor doesn't necessarily mean in this scripture that it was those who were not financially well. No, it was actually those who were just the margins of society. This is who Jesus is bringing good news to, proclaiming it. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim to Caroso the year of the Lord's favor. This is the prophecy he is fulfilling. And even in the skepticism, Jesus continues, and he brings up two ancient stories from the Hebrew text. Do you remember? Two stories from two prophets, famous prophets, that every single person here listening would have known exactly what these stories were. It brings up Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elijah is found in 1 Kings 17, the story that Jesus talks about, the story where there's this great famine. Elijah is called not to the Israelites. Elijah, called by Yahweh, called by God, goes to Zarephath, the land of Sidon, a Gentile country, a Gentile region. This is where this is who Jesus is talking about in his response to the people's doubt. He goes to this widow who has a son who is dying and even says, my son is dying, is about to die. And the story continues and Elijah eventually comes where his, this woman's son is dead and he lays on this son, her son three times and eventually is resurrected and comes back to life. These are the stories that Jesus is talking about here to the people that are, are listening there in Galilee saying, Jesus is, is being very clear, crystal clear that God, Yahweh, sends Elijah the prophet, the great prophet, to a Gentile region. And then he brings up Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5, that in this time where there were lepers across the country, God never sent the prophet to those who were the Israelites who had leprosy. Instead, he sends him to this man named Naaman. Now, who's Naaman? He is the commander in the Syrian army. What's the Syrian army? Israelites' enemy. Why is Jesus talking about Yahweh, Elijah, the prophet, going to a Gentile woman and healing and resurrecting her son? And why is God bringing up the the, the time then Elisha was sent to Naaman, Israelites' enemy, the commander of the Syrian army, who has leprosy. Naaman is ridden with leprosy to the point where he is about to die. And Elisha says, go dip yourself in the Jordan River three or, or seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman's healed. Not one person was healed in the Israelite camp in these years, in this era of Elisha. Only Naaman, a Gentile, the enemy of God. Jesus is essentially saying, making it crystal clear for the people here and even us today, that I'm proclaiming freedom for all people. That every single person may experience freedom forevermore. Amen? How these people respond? Well, we read it earlier, not so good. 
Let's remind ourselves in verse 28, it says this. When they heard these things, after he just broke down the story of Elijah and Elisha going to Gentile countries and regions, setting those captives free, the people that are listening there in Galilee are like, no, 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 no. I was excited about freedom for me, but not freedom for all. They heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Remember these words. They were fixated on what he was saying, on the edge of their seat, the suspense of this story. They marveled at his great words, and now you included all people. You're reminding us of these two ancient stories that, yes, we would have been brought up in knowing but I didn't know what it applied to even today. And now they're filled with great wrath. And they rose up and drove Jesus out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw Jesus down the cliff. And then Jesus, passing through their midst, he went away. What an incredible contrast of moments from the beginning to how this thing concludes. Jesus is speaking of who he is, making it crystal clear. I am the one that the prophet Isaiah was prophesying about. I'm the one proclaiming good news. And yet they now are filled with wrath because this good news is not just for them, but it's for all people. All people. He proclaims this out. I love it that Luke ends this chapter with Jesus after healing several people and casting out some demons in Luke chapter four, verse 43. This is what he says to the people. I must, I love this word. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Jesus is reminding the people who are listening. I must do this work. I must proclaim good news. This isn't just a one-time thing. This isn't just a nice, cute moment in the synagogue where maybe you weren't so excited what I had to say. No, you say, hey, hey, I know you just tried to toss me off a cliff. I know maybe you have some skepticism of who I am. I know you may ridicule the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm saying. But even in the, in the face of opposition, I must proclaim this good news. I must do this work. In the face of skepticism and opposition, I must go, for this is the purpose that I was sent for. Now, allow me to take a turn. Today, we celebrate and honor Martin Luther King Jr. Today would have been his 94th birthday. And this is MLK weekend, and we, we honor him on this weekend in so many ways. And, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to read these incredible verses in the book of Luke and also reciting the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61. And I can't help myself if I've been even studying this over and over again and seeing what Jesus is saying and seeing how it applies to you and me today. I can't help but see the similarities when it comes to the work that Dr. King was set out to do. To proclaim good news. To fight for those who... There's inequality and racial inequality and injustices for people of color in the time that he lived. He fought for justice and equality for all, for those marginalized and those who were oppressed. This was his I must go, I must proclaim moment. Through the efforts, he helped bring significant changes in civil rights and helped bring about a more just and equal society. And in the face of all opposition, he continued to proclaim it. 
and continue to live it and continue to say it. Now, again, disclaimer, I am not putting Jesus Christ and Martin Luther King Jr. on the same pedestal. Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But I will say this, Dr. King revered Jesus Christ in his efforts and in his life where he saw a society that he was to lead in such a way that the oppressed, the hurting, the blind were to then one, be set, one day be set free. These are the efforts that he put forth. Even in the midst of skepticism and hatred, and it cost him his life. And he wasn't popular. Today in our day, in my generation, we love putting the quotes out. We love saying it today. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. What a great man. Friends, he wasn't popular by all. In fact, on Good Friday in 1963, an article was sent out. In the Birmingham newspaper, eight white clergymen wrote an appeal to contradict all the things that Dr. King was doing. Called it unwise and untimely these efforts in the face of racial injustices, they put out this appeal. No, 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 it's unwise and it's untimely. And Dr. King was put in jail. And you wanna know what his response was there in that jail? That I may not sit idly in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. This is in the face of opposition. This is in the face of skepticism, in the face of those saying, no, no, this is unwise and untimely. We need to shut this man up. He says, I must proclaim this news and live in such a way that captives and those being oppressed may be set free. And it cost him his life. I cannot help myself but see the similarities of what Jesus was proclaiming and the work that Dr. King did for the short years that he was able to do it. And we are a better society because of it. And now to us, what are we to do? We honor his efforts, we honor the work. But as I look at Luke chapter four and I reflect on Dr. King's life and the work that he did and his proclamations, I ask us, what's our proclamation? What's our herald? What do we send out? May we be people who become those who fight for hope and healing, equality and equity for all and love and peace. May we fight against injustices and inequalities for all. May we begin to reflect on the words of Jesus that we too, as disciples of Jesus Christ, proclaim good news to all people, to the poor, to those in our family, to those in our neighborhood, to those in our community, to those in our city, to those in our world. This is the call that Jesus calls all disciples into. This is what Paul would write to the church in Colossae. He would say, this is what's called the new humanity. This is the work. This is the work that Jesus is calling us all into as followers of Jesus. To proclaim good news. To live this thing every single day of our life. So may we proclaim this out, make it crystal clear. Take a look, look at this last slide. This is what my prayer was even this week because I broke this down. Maybe this is something you need to take a picture of on your picture, on your, on your camera phone, whatever, that these are things that we begin to live out. 
prayer even for myself that may I proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives. I proclaim recovery to blind eyes. I proclaim freedom to those who are oppressed. And I proclaim the year of the Lord Yahweh, Adonai's favor upon all people forevermore. Amen. This is what we are called to. This is the good news. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? Ask yourself, even this week, where am I to bring good news? What is the effort that I'll commit to? And friends, the truth is, there's many in our lifetime and those before it that stood against opposition and skepticism and had grit to continue to move on. And we honor the past. We honor those like we honored Dr. King this morning. And now us as followers of Jesus, ask yourself, how can I bring good news? What is the effort I will commit to in recovering sight to the blind eyes in my community? What will that be? And what would it look like for a community that takes on these efforts, takes on these great words of Jesus, and we begin to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor for all. Amen? And pray for us. God, thank you for these words. Thank you, Jesus, for the work and for the words of Jesus that inspired men like Dr. King. May these words not fall on deaf ears, but may they fall on open hearts and souls and minds that say, oh, I have work to do to proclaim good news, to fight for those who are oppressed, to fight for the marginalized in my life, to love all, to bring peace in every space and place that I occupy. God, may these words set in our hearts today. May it not just be another Sunday morning. May it not just be a Sunday morning message. God, may we ponder these things and read through this word over and over again and begin to see, oh, Jesus, you are for all, freedom for all. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And every single person said, amen. Hey, let me do a quick reminder. We're in this Luke and Acts reading period. We're reading through a, a chapter a week. So even last week, maybe for some of you, you took on this effort. Uh, we'll just read a chapter starting. Luke 1 was last week. Luke 2 will be this week. It's, a, it's the effort to get us as a church to see the scripture and read through it and also begin to read through it with other people, which is an ancient practice to talk about it with a neighbor, with a friend, whether that's over a phone call or someone in your own home or a cup of coffee or some lunch, but to read chapter two this week, follow us on social media as we continue to post these things. And like I said, find someone in your world to kind of discuss these things with. And I think it's going to be better for us as followers of Jesus and us as a church. Amen. Love you. Grace and peace. We'll see you back real soon.